I thought we'd probably need to sing that a little bit longer so I could just kind of get it together. I don't know about y'all, but I really was moved by that song. Were you? Yeah, me too. Praise the Lord. Made me cry. Praise the Lord. Give me Jesus. Well, so it's so good to see y'all today. It's refreshing for me to look up and see the friends that God has connected me with to serve the Lord together. I'm thankful. I'm really thankful. I'm so glad to see you today, Jim. You know, when Jim walked in, I thought, well, I love this guy. (laughs) I love you, brother. So, you know, not just Jim, you know. He's so lovable. But, and not everybody is, but you know who you are. But anyway, uh, it's just good to be together, isn't it? I have special, special guests here today. My daughter Maggie's here. Maggie Wade. And, yeah. And her husband, Cody, is back there, that big, good-looking guy. And Mary, uh, Cody's mom, and then Mary's sister, right? Hey, how are you? I've never met you, but thank you. Thanks for being here. Anyway, glad to have family members. And one of my very favorite people in the whole world is back there in the nursery. And that's Maggie and Cody's little boy, Leo. Uh, Leo came very early. Very early. So early that Maggie was in the hospital for a long time. How long was it? Eight weeks in the hospital. And he was born at how many weeks? 29 weeks. That's early. I remember standing around the bed with them when the nurse had come in and couldn't find a heartbeat. Maggie was crying and we prayed and remember that? Boy, I tell you, that's when you need Jesus. And uh, the Lord worked all that out. And, and we have Leo. And the Lord, though we prayed for a little faith, the Lord took her. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Sometimes he heals the way we ask him to. Sometimes he heals in a bigger way. That maybe we won't understand until we get there. You understand what I'm saying? But Jesus is Lord, isn't he? And life has its pushes and its pulls. I got to tell you, when Mark said I was going to preach today, y'all, this is so funny. Um, he, he sent me this text. This is what he said. He said, okay, so you're preaching that first Sunday of November, November 1st. And he said, and when I come back to preach on November 8th, I expect everybody to be in a 10-gallon hat. <laughs> and the last, he didn't know what he was saying, did he? And then he said, so cowboy him up. Cowboy him up. That's what he said. He, is, he was, that was dangerous, wasn't it? So, um, so I've got my hat here, and I'm going to, you know, this hat is, this one and others, I wear my hat every day, okay? And I'll have mine next Sunday. And if you'd like to bring and wear your cowboy hat just for fun, it's all right with me. I think it would be a hoot if, if he walked in and everybody. <laughs> anyway, I, I just think it would be funny. Uh, so since he said that, since he said that I should cowboy y'all up today, I'm going to read you a poem that I wrote on the 18th of October. And the Lord told me at the end of 2019, if I would make a space for him each day, he'd fill it with a poem. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? And so far in 2020, he has. So I post a poem every day on Facebook on a page called God's Horseback Gospel. And it's also on a website called God's Horseback Gospel. But uh, this was the poem from 1018. And it's called Wrong on a roll. Sometimes all the wrong things just get on a roll and you can't seem to stop them or keep them from your soul. It's just a darn dilemma because we know God is good and He will still allow it, not stop it when He could. Yes, but you say, brother, that's where your faith comes in. And if you're having trouble, it's just because of sin. Okay. I'll reap the harvest of all the seeds I've sown, and I see the connection. 
And God has clearly shown. But not always that simple when walking in the light, doing all you can each day to do the Lord's will right, and still the trouble happens. and just won't go away. That's when we keep on going. Because there is no way to always understand it. But we will not give up. Trust Him to supply our need and overflow our cup. Let's go and always follow. Let's learn to overcome. Let's accept what's here and now. Put our trust in the Son. And you'll remember this. The ingredients aren't tasty, but mixed in like they should makes a cake delicious. You knew that it would. He takes the thing so bitter, the batter he will mix. Use it to make us better. He knows just how to fix. So if you're having trouble and don't know what to do, trust the master baker because he knows what's good for you. Amen. (laughs) Okay. I think my hat will go right there. All right. So what we want to do today is we want to unpack the fourth part of a prayer series that Pastor Mark started. And today what we want to focus on is, is... Praying for healing and restoration, which go together. I have three little short passages that I want to begin with today. And then we have some other points here. And there's a lot here that we want to cover, so we're going to kind of hit it at a gallop, if that's okay. But um, first of all, I want, to, I want to start with a passage in Matthew 16, verse 18 through 19, where Jesus, you'll remember this, where Jesus probably about halfway through his ministry took his disciples on a retreat. He took them to a place called Caesarea Philippi, which was way up at the north end, actually beyond uh, the Sea of Galilee, beyond the borders of the Holy Land. And it was actually a place where there were many pagan uh, temples and stuff. And in that place, we think on some sort of, sort of a spiritual retreat, Jesus asked them, who do, you, who do you think I am? They said, first of all, who do you think... What are people saying about me? Who do they say I am? And they had all these different answers. And And then he said, well, who do you say I am? And it was Simon Peter who got it right. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, you're blessed, Simon, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. God revealed this to you. And he said, and, and you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And he was talking about the, the rock of revelation. You see, the church is built on what? A revelation of who Jesus really is. When you see and embrace who Jesus is, you get to be part of the church Jesus is building. And there's really no other way. See, I mean, you can join any kind of church. You know, we got all kinds of orientation and new member classes and you name it, confirmation, catechism. So what? It can be great. I'm not against all that stuff, but unless you have a revelation of who Jesus is, none of that stuff matters. That's just religious hoops. Are you following me? Jesus is building a church. There's only one church. That's the one he's building. That's the one we want to be part of, right? And so he's building that on a revelation of himself. When you get to know Jesus, he will add you to the church he's building. Do you realize that the word church is only in the Gospels just two or three times? This is one of them. But pay attention to what he says in these next verses, 18 and 19 of Matthew chapter 16. He says, Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Sometimes that's translated, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. Whatever you unlock on earth will be unlocked in heaven. Do you know what that means? Me either. <laughs> I know some of what that means. But isn't it interesting that in the very important moment when Jesus is talking about building his church and what he would build his church on, he brings up a spiritual conflict and said, hell can't stop us. Hell won't be able to stop this. 
I'm building something that hell cannot stop. Man, that's good to know, isn't it? Man, when you look around you and you want to push the panic button, remember that. Jesus said, I'm building a church that can't stop it. And it's based on who I am. But then he said, I'm going to give you some keys. Yes, listen now. He didn't say I'm giving you church keys, did he? I'm going to give you some kingdom keys. And I don't know all that it means when we bind and loose or lock and unlock or forbid or permit. I don't know what all that means, but I will tell you, at least it means this, that there is a powerful, undeniable connection between what the church prays and does and what heaven and how heaven responds. Don't you believe that? That's unmistakable. I don't understand all about the keys of the kingdom of heaven, but I will tell you in my own life my experience. It was suggested to me some years ago as I prayed over healing, as I prayed over restoration, as I prayed over impossible situations. Are you listening? Where there was no solution, where, where there was no end in sight, when the trouble wouldn't stop and the addiction wouldn't let go and the hurt was too deep and there was just too much chaos. A friend who, who prays, who intercedes, said, let me suggest that you pray this way. And I'm not looking for prayer formulas. Hey, man, there are no shortcuts here. You understand? Not even the Lord's prayers. Is, it's just a guide, okay, like, like Jim was telling us the other day. But they said, how about praying that what you, who you love, the person you're praying for, the situation, will be bound. You will bind in prayer. You will tie that person in that situation to God's best, to God's will, to God's healing, to God's deliverance, to Whatever you can think of that you know God loves to do. And loose them in Jesus' name from everything else. I can't explain it. But I will tell you that when I prayed that way, heaven moved in ways that I'd never seen. Again, hey, there are no formulas. There are no shortcuts. There's nothing that you can recite and, all, and then push the button and God has to, you know, Deliver like fast food or something. I mean, we don't serve a microwave God. There are no shortcuts. But I would suggest this binding and loosing thing, there might be something to that, especially when it comes down to the church that Jesus is building and the conflict we face. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Thank you. <laughs> that made me feel so much better. I was... I thought, they, they cannot be asleep already. It's imp- I mean, they had an extra hour. I don't even know what to do with all my energy for that extra hour. Praise the Lord. Here's one from John 17, the prayer of Jesus, verse 15 and verse 21. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. Isn't that something? I'm not, I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out. Of this world. I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. Do you think if Jesus prayed that, there was a reason for it? Has to be. We're supposed to be in this world as the church, as believers, but we're not going to escape what's happening in the world. And he's not trying to deliver us out of it. He's just trying to keep us safe in it so we can keep on being a part of his agenda. In John 17, um, uh, that's verse 15. Here's verse 21. I pray that they'll all be one just as you and I are one, as you're in me, Father, and I'm in you. May they be in us so the world will believe. That's about us coming together, isn't it? And being one with each other and loving each other and committed to each other so that together we provide a witness that is undeniable. Here's the last little passage on the beginning, on the front end, and that's Ephesians 6 where Paul sort of unpacks this whole spiritual battle thing. And he says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
And then verse 18 and 19, listen to this. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on all occasions. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. How are these linked? These are all linked because it's all about the church being the church. It's all about the church being a praying church. And it's about a church that stands in the face of evil and prays and faiths its way through. That's why these things are linked. That's why Paul says, you know, when it comes down to it, be strong in the Lord. Be, that's about the power of the Holy Spirit. Put on the armor. What does that mean? That means just put on who you really are. When you put on your armor, you're putting on your authentic spiritual identity. When it names those pieces of armor, it's just a different part of your relationship to Jesus. What is he saying? He said, man, if you know who you are, you can fight. But if you don't know who you are, if you're a victim of spiritual identity theft, you're never going to win the battle. Because you're going to buy into the lies of the enemy over and over and over again. So pray in the Spirit on all occasions about everything so that you may prevail. Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? That's not a spectator sport, is it? <laughs> that's, not, that's not for an elite little group of holier-than-thou Christians either who spend, a lot of, who spend more time than you do in the prayer closet. I used to think that. I'm, you know, I'm just I'm just an average Christian, and then there's those intercessors. You see, God's called all of us to put on our identity and be part of the church He's building, and bind and loose and pray in the Spirit. He's called all of us to do that and be part of the answer to bind ourselves together so that they can see that we love each other and that there's a difference in how we operate. Can I just say this, just plain as I know how? If we prayed more, we would fuss less. If we would just get a fresh revelation of Jesus and see our real identity, we wouldn't be threatened when somebody else is blessed or jealous or competitive. We'd be happy, wouldn't we? Because we would be secure in what He is saying to us. We wouldn't feel like, gosh, you know, they have something I don't have. No, we wouldn't feel, we'd be blessed with their blessing, right? And we, we, we would be willing to go to the least of these and say, we're offering you hope in Jesus' name. We have something that will change your life. You can be part of this, this wonderful thing. It's not even an institution, is it? It's certainly not a denomination, is it? No, God has his people sprinkled out all in all these groups. And man, when church is getting it right, this is what church is about. Where we love each other and we put on our real identity. And we bind and we loose and we pray and we never give up and we keep going. And we look the devil in the eye and say, in the name of Jesus, no. And does it hurt sometimes? Oh, yeah. And are we torn up and heartbroken sometimes? Absolutely. So is the rest of the world. They just don't know what to do about it. I want to unpack this in the time we have left with several points. And I just want to, I just, they're gonna, are y'all going to be able to put it up there? Up there? Did y'all get my little outline? You did. You didn't? I don't know. Did you, you have it in your handout? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. So. The first one is pray instead of complaining. Why? Because God is working. So if something needs to be healed and something needs to be restored, can you think of a few situations like that? Okay, I'm not playing with you. Watch the news. But not too much because it will discourage you. Does any, do you see anything needs to be healed? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Do you see something needs to be restored? Me too. You can be overwhelmed with it, can't you? Is 2020 ever going to end? Are we going to have another hurricane? Tell me we're not. Please, 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 please. <laughs> Somebody sent out a thing the other day. I, I don't know. I think it was Ken Quattlebaum's wife. I think she sent it as a post, and it said, Proposal for a new wall, and it was a wall built from Florida over to the Yucatan Peninsula <laughs> to keep out the hurricanes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm over that one. Golly, man, hey, stuff happens, doesn't it? Can you stop it? 
Not always. So, hey, if that's true, I'm, I'm going to have a tendency to complain, right? And whine about it. I'm going to have a tendency to be caught up in the argument that's going on about it, right? I'm going to have a tendency. Maybe it'll suck in, won't it? But, but the Scriptures call us uh, to pray. Instead of complaining and worrying and fussing and arguing, because we recognize that God is working even when you can't always see God at work, He's working. Philippians two twelve through 13. Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. All right, so here's the old translation. That God, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you. God is working both the will and to do of his good pleasure. You work it out, he works it in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, do you, do you believe that God is at work? Yes. And when you recognize God is at work, let me read you a couple more verses there. Verse 14 says this, Do everything without complaining and arguing. Wait a minute. Everything? Everything. That covers a lot, doesn't it? I mean, everything. I, can you find something to complain about? Duh. Could you find something to argue about? Yep. Some people won't even take yes for an answer. You know? They don't have a chip on their shoulder. they got a whole forest. <laughs> the world turns on it. Let me tell you something. If you stop complaining, you're going to be different from just about everybody else. Why aren't you complaining? The whole rest of the world is. Why aren't you arguing? Because God, I believe God's at work. I believe God is at work. He... He frees us from that. You know what I mean? From that anxious, argumentative, contentious, worrying, fear-based spirit. And he says, just come talk to me. Talk to me about it. And if you will, you'll have peace. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. Wait a minute. That's big, that's big too, isn't it? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand is peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When do you get the peace? When you see the answer? No, that's not what this says. You get the peace that exceeds understanding when you're willing to pray about it and put it in God's hands. That's where the relief is. That's something the world can't give you, nor can it steal. i never forget one time... Uh, I arrived at the hospital moments after a man died, and his wife and adult daughter were standing right there. And I knew he had just died, and I was asking the Lord, give me something. Just give me something to say. Have you ever prayed like that? Sometimes there's nothing to say. You just go and be there. But I said, Lord, if there is something, please. And what the Lord laid on my heart, just a simple thing. That the Lord would give them a peace that the world cannot give, nor could it steal. Simple. That's biblical, isn't it? Hey, you know what? That's the only way we get through the heartbreak. That's the only way we deal with it. That's the only way when we're devastated, right? That peace, man, that peace, you can't beat that. But it only comes from those who turn away from the chaos long enough to get a word from the Lord that says, It's okay. You're going to be all right. I'm with you here. Here's the second point, and that is pray for a willingness to repent. So if you're praying for restoration and healing, stop complaining and trust that God is working. Here's the second. Pray for a willingness to repent because God starts with us. He starts with us, right? Okay. So all of us know, do you know Second Chronicles 7.14 by heart yet? We ought to. They, there's so many preachers talking about it. You know, revival. That's the key to revival, right? Look at that. I took my watch off, so I'm not going to preach as long as Mark. Okay, so... Sec- <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. All right, so 
Then if my people are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. Now, some people don't really believe that, that that's a promise we can claim as Christians. Do you know that? That's right. So if you do your homework, you'll find out that there are some scholars who believe that that was a unique promise made to Solomon for not just any land, but the children of Israel's land, the land of promise, okay? And, and he was saying to them, you know, if things go south, this is what you need to do as my people. You need to humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, and then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive you sin, I'll heal your land. And that was for Israel, not us. And, and that's what some people think. And you can understand why they would say that because the, it's, it's contextual and historical. On the other hand, you know, Paul was real careful in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to say that all the promises of God in Jesus apply to us. <laughs> That's what he said. That in Jesus, all the promises of God that were ever made are personified in Jesus and handed to us in a great, big, huge yes. Jesus is referred to as God's divine yes. Did you know God's saying yes to you? I thought he pretty much was saying no. The God that I learned about growing up, basically, he said no. To what? Everything. Anything. Everything you wanted. If it looked good, tasted good, smelled good, if you desired it, it had to be wrong. Stop it. God is good. You're bad. Stop it. His answer is no. If you gave your life to Jesus, you had to suffer for the rest of your life. You couldn't have any more fun. You could have fun after you died. Then you could go to heaven and have fun again. On the way to heaven, no. Why? Because the answer is no. Do everything. And if we did it that way, we ought to just have the altar call, get people saved, and shoot them in the head and put everybody out of their misery. You know what I'm saying? Have the funeral and the altar call at the same time. That's just not true, is it? You see what a lot, see the devil thinks, the devil makes you think because you serve the Lord, you can't party. <laughs> and he's the party pooper. Jesus is the one that, do you read what the Bible says about Jesus? He was always eating, drinking, and having fun with who? Sinners. Was he sinning? No. Oh, you mean it was, that was okay? My mother didn't approve. She was a Baptist. If you had too much fun, that was suspicious. You understand that, right? My mama used to say, you know, I don't approve. Two things. She talked about being saved and talked about not drinking. That's what she preached. You got your conviction, I got mine. But, you know, mama got on it so hard. I, I, I was, Finally, I just said, well, mama, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't Jesus? She said, I don't approve of that. Drinking. I said, yeah, but didn't Jesus turn water into wine? She said, I don't approve of that either. I said, yeah, but his mama told him to do it. She shouldn't have done that. I'm sure mom's in heaven now working it all out with Jesus. But what I'm saying is this whole thing about, hey, the party's over because you gave your life to Jesus. Come on. At the same time, you know, if I've got God's yes, you know, then I'm going to honor God's no, right? God has said no about some stuff, but if I've got that big yes in my heart, he loves me, then I'm willing to take seriously what he says. Hey, don't mess with that. That'll make you sick. That'll kill you. Don't do that. But if you stay with me, hey, you get to enjoy my yes forever. Man, that'll preach. Well, that's good, isn't it? That's, man, that relieves me. I used to think, you know, God had you idiot on the end of everything he said to me. Do this, you idiot. No, no, not like that. So, so, so that, that yes of God means that we can claim this promise, I believe. And in Psalm 127, 1 through 2, listen to this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city... Guarding it with centuries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night and anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. What is that talking about? That's, that's about turning to God in behalf of the city, in behalf of the country. But knowing that when you pray about that, what God is going to say is, you be part of the solution. You humble yourself. 
You seek me. You turn from your way. Let me make you the light and the salt so that when I start to renew the land and heal the land and restore the land, and you're praying for that, you're not just praying it. You're part of the solution that I use every day to make it so. And also vote. But I would suggest to you that voting in itself and vote your conscience and vote the way the Spirit leads you. But listen to me. Voting is not going to bring revival. You know that, right? You know that the, the real spiritual battle that we're dealing with really is not going to be solved by politics or a politician. What's it going to be solved by? The healing, restoring grace of God that begins in me. And Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. At the end of that psalm, you know what it says? Children are a gift from the Lord and a reward from Him. And that's where it says, you know, they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full. Isn't that interesting that it would talk about the house that's being built on a bigger scale and then it talks about your house. (laughs) I'm praying God sends the right person to the White House. But the best way to get that done is to cry out to the Lord and let God work in my house. Here's the third one. Pray and give thanks for, and if you fill in the blank, all people. How are we doing? All people because God wants all to be saved. Do you see what that says? I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. I'm willing to pray for them, but I ain't thanking God for them. Have you ever thought that? (laughs) This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. There's one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Thank God for everybody. Pray for everybody. Let me ask you a question. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not going to say any names here. But what I want you to think about is the politician that you despise the most. <clears throat> Don't say his, her name. <laughs> Don't say it. What this scripture, you know what this scripture is telling us to do? Thank God for them. And pray for them. And what's the number one thing you pray for them? To be saved. Because Jesus died for them. And ha- you can disagree with somebody, but if you cannot, you cannot devalue someone that Jesus died to save, even if you don't like them. Are you listening? That's what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about love your enemies. He said, man, any old pagan can love people who, doesn't, who loves them. But because you know me, because you're a child of God, you, you act like God. And how does God act? You know, he just pours it out, blessing on everybody. Has God ever blessed somebody and you objected? I object. They didn't deserve that. I did. Look at, how, look at them. Look at how they're living. They don't care anything about you. Have you ever seen the evil prosper? You know what the Bible says about that? Don't let it bother you. <laughs> That's what it says. Don't let that bother you. It says, love your enemies. Pray for the people that persecute you. Wow, are you kidding me? See, see, you can't stay tightened up and stingy with the grace of God if God starts to unlock and heal that and you start interceding. You can't just pray for the people you like. You start praying for everybody. You start praying for the people that Jesus likes. Jesus likes people you don't like. I'm just going to tell you that. He died for... Who? Everybody wants everybody in. Is everybody going to get saved? No, not everybody. But see, what if my intercession could make a difference? I would suggest to you one reason you ought to watch the news, not too much, but sometime, is so you know who to pray for. (laughs) 
Did you see the ones you didn't like? Pray to them first. Right? And you're not being judgmental when you ask God to have mercy on them and pray and, and save them. That's in line with God's will, isn't it? Peter, Peter described it like this. He, talked about, he said the Lord isn't really slow about his promise in First Peter 3, 2 Peter 3, 9, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. But that all would repent. Everyone, he wants everyone to repent. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So when you pray for healing and restoration, it's about praying for all people to be saved. It's about thanking God for everybody because why? They may not be right. They may be part of the problem, but they are people for whom Jesus died. All right, so we got three of them. Pray instead of complaining because God's at work. Pray for willingness to repent in yourself because God starts with us. Pray and give thanks for all people because God wants all to be saved. Here's the fourth one. Pray for all in authority because God wants us to have peaceful and quiet lives. And he wrote, Paul wrote to Timothy, Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. In Romans 13, he talked about the relationship between what we're doing and it's what is happening in the governmental realm. Everyone should submit to governing authorities. and All authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted, they'll be punished. And the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what's right. They'll honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. If you're doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid. They have the power to punish you. They're God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but to keep a clear conscience. I mean, I don't like that passage, do you? I really don't, man. No, man, I, I, for two reasons. I, you know what the first thing that comes to my mind? The American Revolution. I'm sick and tired of the divine right of kings. I'm sick and tired of that stuff. We got sick and tired of taxation without representation. What do we do? We rebelled. That's why John Wesley counseled all of them. He said, man, you guys, y'all need to submit to the king. Of course, there are two traditional things in Scripture. One is to submit to authority as much as you can because we recognize that God has delegated some authority to keep order in a society by punishing wrongdoers, right? And that's, that's what it says right there. So there's a, there's a line of reasoning and teaching in Scripture that's all about that. But then there's a line where you resist authority when it crosses your conscience. And that's why they laid down their lives for what is right. And you have to make your own judgment call about the American Revolution. But I, for one, just think that John Wesley was wrong about that. He was right about a lot of other things. Of course, I'm a son of the South, too. Now it really gets dicey, right? See, because for years when I was growing up, they didn't call it the Civil War, much less the war between the states. Are you kidding me? You know what they called it? The War of Yankee Aggression. I was going to say Northern. Yankee works. Yeah. The War of Northern Aggression. That's how they saw it. But thank God, thank God, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln had the wisdom to preserve the Union because of what happened in the next century to the United States of America, even though they were good people on both sides of that deal, right? And in Montgomery, Alabama, where I'm from, heck no, we ain't forgetting. Well, that's not how they say it exactly. But what I'm saying is because I embrace Jesus as my authority, because Jesus is my Lord, I'm willing to accept the authority he places in my life and honor that for his sake. And when it comes time for me to pray, I put aside all of my political opinions. I put aside all of the things that I might otherwise be biased about and the issues that matter. And I lay out before God in as humbly as I know how and say, oh, God, have mercy have mercy on those in authority. Have mercy on them. Give them wisdom. Help them, Lord. 
so that we can live the life you want us to have, so we'll have the freedoms that you've given us, so we'll be able to spread the gospel, not only here, but also in places like Africa where the new church has started. Do you think that could have happened? It could not have happened with our help unless we had what we have here, the resources and the freedom to make that work. That's a good thing. But we need to pray that that can continue. You know, if you get over there in the book of Revelation, man, this world, it's going to get rough before Jesus pulls the plug. You know, when Jesus blows the whistle, everybody gets out of the pool. That's my theological statement for the second coming. But what I want you to know is it's going to get pretty dark. And when it does, the light's going to shine brighter. Okay? But until then, we we need to especially pray for those who rule us in this free land. For what reason? For the gospel's sake. For Jesus' sake. And that's about embracing His authority in our lives and praying that God will bless all those in authority, whether we voted for Him or not. Here's the last one. That's like music to your ears, isn't it? Me too. I'm, I'm hungrier than you are. Okay, so page point five is like a whole new sermon. So we, we really got to do it fast. But when, see, so we talked about, we talked about in, in praying for those in authority, but then it gets down to healing on all levels, praying for healing on all levels because God wants what? Us to be healthy. Do you believe that? I believe he does. So when I went through the book of James, I, I hadn't looked at it through the lens of healing and restoration, but here it is. In James one five, it's about healing your attitude. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you and he won't rebuke you for asking. And it's talking about when you go through trials, when you go through trouble and you hit a snag, what does it say to do? Ask for wisdom. He'll give you wisdom because wisdom, if you get God's wisdom, it'll heal your attitude. It may not stop the trouble that's happening, but you'll learn what you need to learn. And your endurance will grow so that you can be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Does your attitude need to be healed? Mine does. That's why I'm going to ask for healing. Here's the second level, James 2.17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. What is that talking about? Healing your faith. My faith does not need to be unproductive and dead. It needs not to be just kind of head knowledge or something I say I believe. What does it need to be? Alive. It needs to be the kind of thing that ignites action all the time. It starts with hope for a better future. You get enough truth on the hope, what happens to it? It becomes sure. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. You get enough truth on your hope, what happens to your hope? It will turn to full-blown faith. And how will you know? that it has turned to faith because it makes you move. That's why. It'll motivate you to do something. It'll motivate you to give money, sing songs, give a witness, get up when you fall down, keep on going, forgive everybody. It will. It'll come alive. It won't be just something that you categorize and do on Sunday morning. It'll just get over into everything. It'll take over your life. That's the way it's supposed to be. Hey, I need my faith to be healthy. Right? I need my faith to be healed so that it can produce. When it produces, when it works, it produces a different result. Here's the third healing. Healing your mouth. Do you need your mouth healed? Maybe not as bad as me, but I imagine so. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, James 3, 2. But if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect. And could also control ourselves in every other way. I'm just going to admit to you, I don't always get this right. Sometimes things come out of my mouth that, well, have you heard that old saying, that, that was enough to make a preacher cuss? <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, I'm cleaning up after one of the hurricanes. And uh, uh, Sally, maybe. And uh, we had we were hauling a bunch of old stuff down to the road in this little flatbed trailer, a little light flatbed trailer, and it started raining again. And so I was dragging the flatbed like this, you know. And somehow I just 
lost my balance. And I'm an old man, you know, and fell over backwards on a tree stump. That was a gravity storm, y'all. My body doesn't do what it used to do. I used to bounce. Not anymore. I've fallen and I can't get up. Anyway, I hit that stump. Man, it hurt like the devil. It took about two weeks to get over it, you know. And the bruise that was about that big, it didn't break any ribs. The bruise about that big went like that. It's down about right there. And the other day, on one of those pretty days, I said, man, I'm going to ride my horse today. And I was out there, you know, and I put my foot in the stirrup and started to climb on. And just about that time, the generator that was plugged in right over here kind of went through a little sputter and went, hit it real loud. And I, I got a real gentle horse, but he just couldn't tolerate that generator. He didn't buck. He didn't run. But he did step aside, and it was too late. My foot was already up there. And I was already about halfway up. And when he moved aside, it was like one of those cartoons where they go out and then down. Gravity got me again. In the same place. The first time, the first time, I want to confess to you, I said something worse than Mercy Dern. Okay? The second time, the only reason I didn't say something worse was I couldn't breathe. <laughs> Not because I love Jesus. <laughs> Why am I telling you that? Because I need help with my mouth. I really do. I rarely regret what I don't say. When you start praying for healing, ask God to heal that. Not just their mouth, yours. Here's the fourth one, James 4, 1 through 2. Healing your relationships. What's the cause of quarrels and fights among you? Well, it's them, of course. <laughs> What's the co No. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. Can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. What is, the, what is the ultimate answer for our relational conflicts? Let me just tell you that you don't expect the relationship to give you what only God can. If you want your relationship to be healed, turn to God, not them. Is that clear? Here's the last one. Healing for your body. We finally got around to it. James 5, 13 through 16. Are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Call for the elders, that's the leaders of the church, to come pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. You've committed sins, you'll be forgiven. And then confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, produces wonderful results. So does that mean don't go to the doctor? No. That's not what that means. Because God uses doctors, you know that. And medicine is a gift from God. And good nutrition is too, by the way. But it's God's will for us to be physically healthy. But let me just say this to you. You're going to die. <laughs> your body's dying. That's the Bible says it. Your body's dying. Your spirit's being renewed every day. The, you know, the body's going to wear out. We get a new one later. Praise the Lord. Till then... At times, and every look, if I get sick, I really don't want you to ask God to teach me anything. Just ask God for, to heal me, and I'll do the same for you. How about that? And have you seen God heal? I have, physically. Oh, man. And have you seen God withhold the healing? Yes, I have, that too. But if you get sick, I'm going to pray for you to get healed. In Jesus' name, that's what I'm going to do. Until something else happens, that's what I'm going to even count on it. And we can pray for one another. And if we trust God, he will manifest the healing in his way and his time. Do you believe that? I do. Boy, that, that, that whole thing, that last little thing, five things that God wants to heal, and it's all tied into prayer so that we can be what? Healthy? That might be a blueprint for praying forward. Okay, so we're done with the message. So let me just say this to you before, before uh, Tony comes or before Tony sings us out. We've got to sing on out. But um, can I just ask you this? What did, you, what did you bring in here that needs healing? 
What did you bring in here today that needs healing? If you're watching us on Facebook, what do you, what do you have right now in your life that needs healing? Can I just say that the answer truly is the Lord? It really is. The restoration of anything worth restoring is all tied up with the hand of God. It really is. And so what I want to ask you to do just, just in these quiet moments, and I guess it would be okay to go ahead and stand up. So stand with me as we do it. It's just to take whatever that thing is in your mind that you brought in here. Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe it's a burden. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a root of bitterness that's been there a long time. Somebody couldn't forgive. Whatever it is. And just say, Lord, please take this and heal me. Please heal me in Jesus' name. You died by your stripes. We're healed. You died to do it. Please help me to receive it in faith from you. And now I want to to ask you to do another thing with me. Can you think of a person that needs to know the Lord? And you're not sure they do. Could you lift up that person quietly by name right now and say, Lord, would you touch their lives and heal them and restore them to you? I'll agree with you right now. I don't know who you're praying for, but I've got somebody in mind. Would you do it with me? Can we pray over our election and all those in authority, those who are already serving, those who are going to serve? Could we pray for God's mercy on our nation and to help us and to start that in us? How thankful we are, Lord, that we can come and bring everything to you. There's nothing beyond your reach. No burden too heavy. No wound too deep that you cannot heal. You are a God who restores. You are the Lord, our healer. Now we pray we'll be bound to that healing and loose from all else. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I surely hope that what you heard was relevant and helpful and above everything. I hope that what you experienced today really helped your heart to connect with the heart of God. Now, if what you heard uh, for you stirred up any questions or maybe led you toward uh, some type of spiritual decision, maybe you want to talk with someone about something that's on your mind, I would love to hear from you. And so I would encourage you, reach out by email. At the bottom of the screen, you see my email address. It's mark at myfreedomchurch.net. That's not going to go to a secretary or an assistant. That will come directly to me. I'd love to hear from you and talk with you about anything that's on your mind. And if in the future you're in our area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at Freedom Church. But until then, we invite you to access all of the sermon material that you find online. Again, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Hope that you have a great day.